2: going down.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the What's Going Down podcast here on Patreon (laughs) uh, or ad-free you get on your main feed. I'm all over the place because I'm thinking about all the podcasts I've got to do this week for Christmas which obviously in my mind there caused me to have a bit of a brain fart. But a man who does not have brain farts because he's too professional to do so is Mr Finley Martin. Hi Fin, how are you?
2: Yeah, I'm good Kenny and also you're probably still traumatised from last night's Armageddon 2003 recording. I am. I'm still trying to recover from from our Armageddon today.
1: But you know what we you know we we talked a little bit off air because we were trying to organize our next podcast and I think that we so as this goes out, Armageddon's not up yet. Armageddon's gonna Wednesday. But I think we actually offered some pretty good conversation about it. Um more than just kind of, you know, ragging on Triple H the whole time for being terrible. I thought we yeah. we offered some kind of interesting perspectives as to, you know, how things might have played out definitely if other things had happened. But I think that we did, I think we did a good job.
2: That we was did, happy. yeah. There were some profound statements there, as there usually is. <laughs> we were really just talking, yeah, like what might have happened and why the things happened in the way they did. And, you know, sometimes you think, well, if only things were different. But sometimes, you know, circumstances just dictate that that's how it's going to be. And yep. um, that was very much the case in 2003, just as it would be for much of 2004, particularly post uh, WrestleMania 20 that, you know, you look back and you think, oh, you know, that was <laughs> that was really rough for the people involved and business suffered. But if you look at what was going on at the time um that was just the way it was, that was the direction it was going to travel in. And um, you know that's just you know there are there are peaks and troughs in pro wrestling, and that's just the way it is, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I think that's
1: you know I think when we were going to do an Armageddon 2003, I was like I was a bit concerned because I just have such terrible memories of that. You know, I've said this I've said before, and we'll get this as we start going through these retro pay per view reviews next year. 2004 was the year when I switched off. I couldn't yeah. do it. I couldn't do it anymore. I just thought it was just terrible. Um, you kind know, of week to week. So there'll be some things in 2004 that I've actually not seen. Um, because I think it got to a point where I think by the summer of 04, maybe like SummerSlam time, I was I would maybe just skim through and watch the couple of top matches. And even then, I don't know if I've watched all of them. So, you know, maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. But given that Harry Guthridge is one of our uh, listeners has messaged to say that he's went a bit ahead on the he's went a bit ahead on watching the retro weekly shows and said that 2004 is dire. <laughs> so I don't I don't think we're going to have any pleasant surprises from.
2: No, um, no, I don't think so either Ken. But yes. anyway, back
1: to December 2023. Yes, we're here to talk about the latest happenings in WWE. Uh, from SmackDown and Raw. So let's go back to last Friday's SmackDown. It was the return of Roman Reigns, his first appearance in Crown Jewel, I think. Yes, Where, that's what which... you said. Yeah, that's correct. So he opened the show. He was there with Paul Heyman, Jimmy Uso, and Sola Sokoa. And he talked about how, you know, uh, there was somebody who's done a really good job and he's going to compliment that person as being the next in line. And Jimmy, of course, thinks it's him but it's solo and he hugs solo and said that he loves him. And then Randy Orton comes out to interrupt and Orton comes out and kind of says, you know, you're basically, you're the reason that I was taken out and I'm going to take everything from you. And Roman sort of says, it's funny that, you know, you've been away for 18 months and I've thought about you one, I've not thought about you one bit. And they kind of go back and forth and Orton challenges for the rumble and says, you know, that's when he's going to take everything from him. And then Uh, Orton Orton tries to get an RKO in, but he can't quite get it. And then we end up getting Orton and Jimmy Uso made for the main event. So a few things going on.
2: Uh, What did you make of the opening segment? Yeah, I thought Jimmy was uh, was really entertaining as uh, Roman Reigns uh, was talking about how someone was going to be promoted uh, for his good work lately. And Jimmy's there in the background, you know, it's like, it's, oh, this is brilliant. You're know, finally I'm being acknowledged by the tribal chief in his grand return. And of course, we knew it was going to be solo. Um so, uh, you know, Reigns is there. Well, you know, come on, Jimmy, you know, we need to congratulate Solo. He's going to be, you know, my hair and all my uh, he's the tribal heir. That's the uh, the new nickname, isn't it? That's the yes. new moniker for Solo, the tribal heir. So Jimmy was yeah really put out because he's the old he's the elder brother, of course. Um, you know, Solo's only been on the main roster for like what will it be, fifteen months? Clash of the Castle was his debut, wasn't it, on the main roster? So fifteen yes. months or so. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a decent segment. Uh, Randy Orton came out, um, to surprise no one, uh, challenged Reigns to a title match at Royal Royal Rumble. Reigns said she hasn't been around for like eighteen months. You know, he needed to get to the back of the line. You know, he hadn't earned the title opportunity with Roman Reigns, which is actually a fair point. I'm not quite sure, is Nick, because Nick Aldis wasn't really sure, was he? He was conspicuous no. by his absence. So Nick Aldis didn't, you know, weigh in with, you know, an answer or a determination on whether or not Orton would receive his title match with Reigns at Royal Rumble next month. So I'm not quite sure how that's going to play out. I would presume that. Orton will get the title match because it's just a logical match for Reigns at that event. Um, But it's, you know, usually people have to earn the matches, don't they? That's, That's normally the way it works in modern WWE. Someone isn't just, you know, granted a title match, you know, unless the champion agrees to grant that title match. And Reigns was, you know, unwilling to do so in this segment. So I'm not quite sure. I think there's more... There's more elements of the storyline that need to be told before this match is official. I mean, I think Orton needs to do something to Reigns and then Reigns will agree to defend the belt against him. So maybe we'll get that next week. I'm not sure. Maybe they'll leave that until, you know, the final SmackDown of 2023. I'm not sure. But um, we're not there yet. So, yeah, I mean, it felt like they were leaving something in reserve, which they were. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. You know, it could have been hotter. There could have been more enthusiasm um, for Orton's challenge. I felt. Um, I, I do. I
1: mean, I think I, I can echo that. I think it was decent enough. But I, I you know, I, we, we've talked a lot about the past. We had the Bloodline stuff that just doesn't feel as good as it used to be. And I yeah. think that's part of the reason why. I don't think Orton really could have done much more here to kind of g up. But I think that people are kind of getting a bit tired of the Romans away for a while. He comes back and we're picking up the pieces of what we've been seeing, you know? And I think there's also got to be an element of, you know, even though Jimmy I thought was really good in this show, the Jimmy story still has all these holes in it from when he kind of rejoined and and is now kind of just with them. So, yeah, I think, I mean, because then obviously we
2: have Jimmy Uso later on. I think also, Kenny, just to chime in there, I think Solo needs to start showing more as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, this silent type, but I mean... A bit one-note. Yeah, we need more from him. He needs to start contributing more to these segments. He doesn't say much. He barely speaks ever. And I think we need more from Solo, especially if, he's, if he is going to be Roman Reigns' successor. He needs to show us more in the personality department.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we, we did see Jimmy Uso talking to Solo backstage saying that he thought the main event was a set-up because you know, basically Reigns was saying, you know, if you beat Randy Orton, you know, there's all these things will come to you if you're able to 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 win. Yeah. And we got the main event, which was Orton and Usso, which was okay. It was, it was decent enough. I mean, you can still see Orton's holding back and not giving you that big match, which, you know, is fair to not yeah. do it straight away. Uh, so Orton gets the win, obviously. And then after the match, Ellie Knight comes out, he gets attacked by Roman Reigns, and the bloodliner kind of, taking it to LA Knight and Randy Orton. When AJ Styles' music hits and he came out, it became clear that he had also been to Holland and Barrett during his time off and (laughs) had been getting some vitamins. And he ended up, did a a phenomenal forearm to Roman Reigns and then the bloodline were on the outside and it was the baby faces sort of standing
2: tall. uh, AJ attacked LA Knight. And have yes. a, a clothesline. So that's it. I mean, what a shot as well. I mean, it looked tremendous, didn't it? Should it on replay? It looked night, sold it fabulously. Yeah. And it just looked devastating. You know, Styles is such a pro that it would have just been really light. It just looked so good. And then Styles, you know, Orton was stunned. It was like, what's happening here? Why did you do that? And, you know, in a way, it was almost like Styles was stealing a page out of Orton's book because he's the one who does the RKO from out of nowhere on people who were presumed to be his friends occasionally. I mean, he did the RKO on Nick Oldis, didn't he? Two, yeah. two weeks ago. Um. So, uh, yeah, Styles was, um, you know, it wasn't explained why Styles had lamped LA night. He just walked straight out of the building. Uh, Roman Reigns and Solo and um, Paul Heyman and Jimmy, they were all, you know, stunned by AJ Styles' actions as well. So it's not like AJ was joining the bloodline. Um. <laughs> Or at least we don't think he is. That would definitely be a twist if he did. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I didn't really see the Styles uh, attack on Knight coming, although it's not a bad call for both because Knight needs a new opponent and Styles is somebody who will give him a hell of a match. Um, But I just hope they have a storyline explanation for Styles's attack on Knight because, you know, none of us saw it coming. It was totally yeah. unexpected. I, and it's...
1: Yeah, I think the, the the overall theme to me, I mean, AJ Styles is someone who has been very dull for a very long time. Yes. And when he came back here and hit LA night he in, in in two minutes kind of became more interesting than the bloodline. And that should not be the case. You know, the bloodline should be so above an AJ yeah. Styles return. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what's more interesting right now. So, you know, I know that multi-man matches are not usually a sell and you know you always want to go for one on one. But if they did decide to go at Royal Rumble with Roman against Orton and AJ and LA Knight, maybe that could provide a slightly fresher match than the standard Roman routine that we we now know and we now can sort of call the next bit of the coming. So I'm curious, what what do you think if they were to go down the, the, the route of doing the four of them? I mean, while the four of them is not while well, a 4 weight is not as, as sort of box office as a one-on-one, could the freshness element make it a viable option for them, do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they could do that. And, and it could be, it, I mean, because the, the problem we've got, the Bloodline's strength in many ways is its weakness, isn't it? And we've seen it so many times and everything has its shelf life. You know, Bloodline's been great. We know it's coming to an end. I think Reigns will lose the belt at WrestleMania. He has to. And I think he'll disappear and come back as a babyface. And I think that'll be a really good role for him. You know, as he... I mean, I think he's probably going to wrestle for a while yet, but it'll be, you know, it'd be even more of a part-timer than he currently is. He's going to wrestle fewer fewer and fewer matches after he loses the title Mm -hmm. uh, as he transitions to the next stage of his career and his life. Um, But I mean, you know, I think... You know the bloodline. Yeah, it's not as good as it was. Of course, it's not. But you go back and look at the four horsemen. That is shelf life, and they kept bringing it back. Yeah. NWO was great from ninety six and ninety seven, and even parts of ninety eight was still, you know, interesting. Um, but nothing lasts forever in pro wrestling. And I think you know the bloodline has been very good, and it needs to end next year, preferably at WrestleMania, in my opinion. Um, yeah. and then they can go off and do other things because. You know, it's shelf life. His his time is nearly up. But as far as the, sorry, to answer your question, the four-way match at Royal Rumble, I think that would be a good call because it means LA Knight gets his rematch, which he's been demanding. So he gets another crack at the title. You know, AJ can be a part of it. Uh, Randy, Randy Orton then only has to do one quarter of the work instead of half the work. And we can see, as you pointed out in today's recording, he's taking it easy. You know, he doesn't really know if he can do a lengthy match anymore. Maybe he can, and he's just being very careful. But if it was a four-way match, we wouldn't then have the very highly predictable ending with, you know, Orton being beaten up by Solo and Jimmy at ringside and then losing, you know, after multiple ref bumps. You know, the match we've seen numerous times before. If it's a fatal four-way, they can do something different.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing... And it's a good point that you make about how, you know, the bloodline, obviously, you know, even though I think we would all in some ways have liked it to end when it was still at its highest. But that obviously can't happen. But, you know, it can still be good. And I do wonder if in the new year when they go down the kind of Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso route, which you assume is a WrestleMania match, that maybe by bringing Jay back into that stuff, it'll, it'll give it a boost. Because, you know, Jay's always been a a very good part of the bloodline. So if he's even against them, that could be interesting. So, you know, if by February, March, we've got Jay going after Jimmy, we've got Cody going after Roman, then, you know, that should hopefully spark things up a little bit. I mean, I still want your your Brock Lesnar idea, but, you know, we're probably not going to get it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love that one as well. I mean, but they should have done that earlier in the year, you know, after Jay had split if they're gonna but you know, obviously be, and then Brock did the appeared to do the face turn at the end of the Cody feud. So I mean he can always turn again, but I wouldn't be advisable because I mean I think we want Brock versus Gunter, don't we? At WrestleMania. Yeah. I think that's what we want. Yeah. So and that's gonna that's gonna be terrific if that happens. And Brock's a face now. So and I think Brock should be the one actually to end Gunter's reign. Um, you know, because it doesn't matter, it's not like Brock beating the Undertaker. I mean Gunter's got to lose the IC title at some point. And after he does lose the IC title, then he can move up to the world title.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so- I, I agree. Um, well, let's move on. One thing that's not technically on SmackDown, but I mean, it is a SmackDown-based conversation. Charlotte Flair is out for nine months. Yes. Uh, which was kind of confirmed after we'd recorded our second podcast last week. So she's out for nine months. I mean, there's a pretty big hole in the SmackDown women's division. So, I mean, do you think is is the division? Do you think they can survive without her for you know that long, or do you
2: think they need to kind of bring somebody else into SmackDown to pick up the slack? Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, absolutely, they can survive without her. I mean, yeah, they showed footage of the injury It took place during a commercial break, didn't it, on last week's SmackDown in the match with Asuka, and Charlotte suffered a torn ACL, MCL, and meniscus. And it was a really quite a bad fall that she took. I mean, they were like both out of control, weren't they, when they fell off the ropes? Yeah. Which was very odd to see those two lose control like that. Um, And uh, as I said last week, you know, that she was grimacing at the end. And um, yeah, absolutely. She was in tremendous amounts of pain. Did finish the match. Um, I'm not actually a huge fan of that. I would much prefer it if wrestlers just say, I'm injured, stop the match. You know, this gutting it out and, oh, you know what? I, in a way, you can see why it is heroic. But, you know, why bother? You know, just end the match if someone's seriously injured. That's what I think they should always do. Uh, but as far as Charlotte Flair taking some time off, I mean, obviously, you know, this is kind of sound like a cold statement. You know, and I don't wish injury on anyone. In some ways, the timing of this, it could be worse for Charlotte because she seems a little bit lost as a character. We've said this many times. Mm -hmm. You know, as a face, she's, she's a career heel. I don't know why she's a baby face. She doesn't excel in that role. She just seems like she doesn't, if she's not the champion, she sort of seems like a bit of a spare part. And even though she's one of the big stars there, they never quite know what to do with her when she's not the champ, if she's not the focus of the division. So her actually taking some time off, obviously, I would much prefer it was she was taking time off voluntarily, not because she was injured, um, you know, obviously. Um, but this her taking some time off when a career to me has been really stale lately. Um, you know, it's not the worst thing that could happen to her career. Obviously, the injury is terrible. I would prefer it, as I just said, if she was taking time off voluntarily. And then she could go away and they could come up with a plan for her return with, you know, as a heel or with a new opponent or whatever. But she's just, she's not been firing on all cylinders for a long time, has she, Kenny? We say this nearly every week.
1: Yeah, I think the kind of, like you say, we obviously don't wish injury on her at all. But I think the blessing in disguise for her, hopefully, will be that the, the time away will give
2: her, hopefully, a freshness to her when she comes back so yeah they just need to she needs to just come back as a villain do what she does best and just be the queen you know supremely arrogant it's all about me that's what she needs to do i mean to be honest if tiffany stratton is on the main roster by the time charlotte returns which i think she will be i think charlotte and tiffany wouldn't be a bad double act as heels
1: yeah
2: and yeah, i think no, no. that would be a good way to bring her back uh, but she absolutely needs to return as a villain because this face thing has not worked at all. And she doesn't seem to be, she just kind of seems bored, you know, yeah, or has does. seemed really kind of just not that into being a wrestler. And uh, and that's a shame to see because she's obviously very good when she's motivated. We saw that in the Rhea Ripley match um, at WrestleMania. That was one of the best women's matches of the year. And we haven't seen that version of Charlotte since, have we? Nope.
1: Uh, M.I.A. she's been. Uh, The last thing I want to ask you about Finn on SmackDown before we move on to Raw is we did see Carmelo Hayes. He was announced as a, a surprise entrant into the U.S. title tournament. Yeah. He beat Grayson Waller. Obviously, later on in the tournament, Austin Theory faced Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens won that one. What did you make of Carmelo's appearance?
2: Yeah, it was a little bit shaky at first, and people. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously Hayes has been a huge part of SmackDown for over two years now, and has been champion, and you um, know is really over in that division. And it was clear that a lot of people um, in the crowd. Of, SmackDown was held in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It was clear a lot of people in the crowd didn't know who he was, and it wasn't until late in the match that the crowd really warmed to him. Um, And I thought they maybe did a little bit too much, but in some ways they needed to do as much as they did to engage the audience because Grayson Waller, you know, I think he's a hell of a talent. He still hasn't quite clicked yet as a, as a sort of, you know, mid card on the up going places heel. I think it's because he loses all the time (laughs) quite probably, but I thought Waller had a tremendous night here as well with Hayes and i thought by the end of this when hayes won with the um, nothing but nets which leg drop uh, from the top rope to the back of his opponent's he- uh, neck uh, the back of his opponent's uh, head um i thought both of them you know had really g- grabbed the crowd's attention and just seemed like stars so it was a really good night for hayes uh, kevin owens then beat austin theory i thought that was a really good match as well owens always gets the crowd on side always gets the crowd going and that was another tournament match And that means now that Owens will face Carmelo Hayes on this Friday SmackDown in the semi-finals of the US title tournament, the winner of which will face Logan Paul. Um, And Hayes backstage approached uh, Kevin Owens and said, you know, I, I need this win more than you. So that Hayes came across really confident backstage, came across as a major star. And, um, yeah, this was his SmackDown debut. And this was, you know, a big endorsement. I think he was there as Shawn Michaels, as hand-picked entrant in the tournament. So he yes. was there representing Shawn Michaels and NXT. So he had to win, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I thought he had a really good night. What did you think, Kenny? Yeah, I thought he, I thought
1: he did well. I think that when people from NXT come up like this, it's difficult because there is a lot of people who don't know who they are. But I think that the fact that he could have won people around by the end is a testament to how good he is. And, yeah. you know, he's obviously still kind of got some stuff to deal with in NXT. So, you know, this might be like a kind of Kevin Owens call-up where he's kind of around and he finishes stuff in NXT and then eventually is fully on the main roster later in 2024. But, yeah, yeah he's doing well. I, I'm, I'm, I hope for big things for him. So
2: Yeah, I mean, um, they obviously like him. I mean, he's quite small, but I don't think that matters um, because he can do lots of different things in the ring. He's not just an aerial um artist he can do the to me he's got the full package of skills and he's very good on promos as well and he knows how to act in segments he's done lots of different things and he can play the heel he can play the face you know he's you know villainous and he's likable as well so I think he's gonna do all right I think he's gonna do well actually so um be interested to see if he beats Kevin Owens on Smackdown this week. I can't in some ways I'd like to see Hayes versus Lashley in the final or maybe yeah. Hayes versus Santos Escobar in the final. Because I think Hayes versus Logan Paul would be a hell of a match. Yeah, I think I think Hayes
1: might make it to the final before he ultimately doesn't get it. But I mean, maybe he will. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll give, it, give it to him. But we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll monitor the situation. And um, let's move on to Raw. Obviously, the Judgment Day were a big part of it as usual. They opened the show and they were talking about the, the main event match against the crease tag titles. Rhea was talking about Ivy Nile then R-Truth came out dressed in a Judgment Day t-shirt with his name added at the bottom and he challenges J.D. McDonough to a Miracle on 34th Street fight to which McDonough said the match is already made. It's been promoted. And R-Truth said that we should do Loser Leaves Judgment Day. Damien Priest said that's a good idea. And then R-Truth beat J.D. McDonough in 10 minutes in a Loser Leaves Judgment Day match. Um, I mean... It was it was obviously meant to be a bit of a piss take generally, but um yeah. and the, the, the leaving of the judgment day didn't last long thanks to Rhea. But did, did you enjoy this as good good holiday
2: fun? Yeah, I did. I, I thought it was really well done. I think truth is a lot of fun as a character. And um he's a really smart worker because he doesn't really do much. He's got a very economical act in the ring. But everything he does is over. And if you were, you know, a young wrestler and you're doing all these different things and no one's reacting to them, you can learn a lot from our truth. I mean, okay, of course, he's been there forever, so he's over. And it's it's easier, of course, when you're over. But I mean, truth did not didn't do too much, but everything he did really provoked a reaction. I thought JD McDonough was a lot of fun here, bumping for truth. He's really good at selling his JD. You know, he really sells. And that's another thing that more young wrestlers should do. And I've obviously said and written that many times before. Um, And in the end, yeah, Truth scored this upset win. Um, Both J.D. and Truth were on the middle rope as a table set up in the ring. And they flopped to a table. Our Truth was laying on top of J.D. And he scored this pinfall. And Dominic Mysterio was at ringside. He looked like he was about to crack up numerous times in the match. He looked like he was finding our truth hilarious. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. And then JD couldn't believe it. He was like, "Oh no! What's what does this mean? Am I out of the judgment day? Does that mean our truth's in?" Yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Through you know, it's an opening match. That's what he was. He was in the opening match slot. And truth as an opening match act, I think, is very effective. What do you reckon, Kenny?
1: Yeah, it was, it was harmless. It was it was it was fun. I get why some people may not really be into it but I think Archer is so good at pulling it off that you kind of you know you can't help but laugh at Archer and, and you know he, he he plays it straight and that's why it's so funny you know he he plays it he plays it straight and that's why you're able to laugh at the ridiculousness so and the thing is that guy does anybody look better for their age than Archer well I
2: think, I think he's about a year younger than me I think he was born in 1970 so it'd be, I think he'd be 53 or thereabouts I think he's 51 like, 51, 51. Born oh, January 72. I, I thought he was born in 1970 for some reason so uh, but yeah he's obviously only a few years younger than me and yeah he, he looks great he's in great shape and uh, I'm glad that he's been able to make a return and he's contributing um you know he's absolutely contributing to the storylines and um it was a big part of the show actually when you think about it he was a yeah. huge part of the show was our truth. Uh, but
1: then we saw the judgment day later in the show, they were in the main event, Priest and Ballard against the Creed's for the undisputed tag team titles, obviously Priest and Ballard did retain, but how did the Creed's do in your eyes, Finn, because like this is a big spot for them to be put in so soon on their main roster run.
2: Yeah, not much response um, for a lot of the match, and it wasn't until Julius uh, made the hot tag that it really... the match really came alive and judgment day had sold a lot in the first portion of the match. And before, of course the heels took over and then we had the, you know, the big hot tag from Julius and he turned the tables. So it was not until really like the third act of the match that the crowd was really properly engaged, which slightly disappointing, but I think what people will remember is the finish. And, you know, they did two of the, you know, Brutus balls and, there was some really close near falls. I mean, obviously, it would have been absurd for the Cree brothers to win the belts this early in their run. Um, but they were very competitive and Balor and Priest, I thought, gave them a ton of offence and really tried with them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was okay. I just would have liked it if the crowd were, were, uh, were with them from the off, which they weren't. And there was a kind of a few moments there, particularly with Brutus. I think he's clearly the inferior member of the team and that's not to say that he you know he's not good enough to work on Raw or doesn't deserve to be in this sport you can see Julius is you mentioned this from week one Kenny when they arrived on Raw Julius is going to be the single star you in fact you said I really hope these guys don't split up otherwise Brutus is doomed (laughs) you know and Julius is somebody you know is just going to be huge in future you know, if you can avoid injury. You just hope he... He's almost a bit like a Jason Jordan type, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is, yeah, for sure. I liked the match. I
1: thought the match was pretty pretty good. My only thing with the Creed's is I really don't like the finisher. I think the finisher of, like, him hitting his bum off of them when he's kind of got them up as if it's the doomsday device, I just don't like it. I I think... I don't think it looks very devastating. Um, I, I would just... I would like it if they could change something so that the Brutus... I don't know what he could, what else he could do. Maybe they don't want to do the direct rip-off of the Doomsday Device and do a clothesline, but something better than the, you know, brief, sh- brief kind of like, what's the word, like hint of the bum hitting the chest. Yeah, just doesn't doesn't give me.
2: It just doesn't. It doesn't feel... seem devastating, does it? That's the no, thing. No, no, not at all. Uh, but um, I don't know what you mean, it's like it's not really a movie. You go, wow, look at that! Like the first time you saw double impact or the doomsday device from the doomsday device from the road warriors or legion of doom you're like wow you know that's what got them over or a big big part of the reason they got over was that amazing killer finisher but yeah you are right and also when brutus lands he almost he usually lands on the person he's just struck which is i'm sure it's fairly safe but I don't know. You know, you could end up having a potential for someone getting injured with Brutus landing on the person who's just hit with the Brutus ball. So maybe they need to have a rethink there, but yeah, I'm with you. And also when you look at Julius and some of the devastating moves he does as part of his act, the finish is nowhere near as good as some of the stuff he does that leads to the finish. And it's supposed to be the other way around, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think that's just one thing they need to tweak because I think that the, the finisher just doesn't have the, the punch that you'd want it to. Yeah. Um, I thought Drew McIntyre was also tremendous on this show. He, was, he obviously was out there to talk to Seth Rollins and he talked about the sacrifices that he's made. And, you know, he came home and saw his family recently and they all look old, to which I say, well, we're Scottish. What do you expect? We look old when we're young. Uh, and he basically said that he has to win the title for all these sacrifices to be worth it. And he's going to do it on the day one Raw. Rollins obviously kind of claps back at him. And then McIntyre, uh, McIntyre tries to grab Rollins. But Rollins hits him back to kind of have a bit of a fight. And then McIntyre does this Alabama slam onto the ring step. So a pretty good angle because next week, it's a best of Raw. So there's no Raw next week. So the next Raw is going to be that January 1st uh, show. So this is the kind of go-home go, go home angle for that. What
2: did yeah. you Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, Day One Raw, January 1st, San Diego, California. They set a load of stuff up on this show for that program. And yeah, Drew was, um, you know, there's there's some some method stuff going on there, wasn't there? You know, he was, because we know his mother died Mm -hmm. about nine years ago now, eight, nine years ago, something like that. It was a while ago, wasn't it? I think it was when he was still working there before he lost his job in twenty fourteen. Yeah. Um. So you know he was channeling those real emotions then. It was it was a very different promo really, and for a heel it was quite a risk for him to say the things that he did. Um. But if this was the place to do it because Roll this was in uh, Iowa, uh, Rollins's home state. So he was really popular here. No one's going to boo Rollins no matter. What Drew said, or no matter how much sympathy we seek he was seeking when he's talking about all the sacrifices that he made, and people know this. People know this is true. People, you know, know this is not something that he's just manufacturing. Um, and in the end, you know, Drew said that. Sorry, Seth Rollins said to Drew, you know, last week, you know, I looked, um, I said to CM Punk that I hated him, and um, and I do, and but I pity you, and that was the moment when Drew snapped and attacked Rollins and that led to the scrap at ringside. And as you said, the Alabama slammer on the steps, which, you know, it's quite a, obviously it was, they were in control of that, but it was, it looked devastating, didn't it? The way that they shot it and Rollins really sold, I think he sold his elbow, his arm. He looked like he was in a lot of pain there. I'm sure he wasn't. Um, and yeah, it was it was a really good setup, I think for um, for the match in two weeks. I'm curious to see how that plays out. It's hard for me to believe that Rollins is going to lose to Drew McIntyre. Um, yeah, but, but, could, I mean, could possibly, you know, Drew could be champ. He could win the belt there and then and drop it back to Rollins at Raw Rumble. That could happen. Yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it could. So, I mean, there's there's a hint of doubt, which I think is good that we have. Um, okay. Elsewhere on Raw, we had uh, the uh, most. We, we we had a title change on Raw. We had Hayden Carter and Katana Chance. Defeat Chelsea Green and Piper Niven for the women's tag team titles, and yeah, I mean, look, I I think Chelsea Green did better in this than she usually does. Yeah, low bar, the bar is in the ground. But I mean, it's 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 hard to get excited about Katana and Caden having the titles because the division is a joke. But I guess it's better that it's on them because they're better, they're a better team in the ring. But yeah, hard to get excited about. It, I think.
2: Well, one thing we didn't mention about SmackDown was um Damage Control have moved on from Charlotte because we know she's not going to be around again until next August or September. So, they put the Asuka and Carrie Sin team together. Um clearly they're going to be pursuing the, title, the the women's tag team championship, which is now held by Kaden Carter and Katana Chance. So, yeah, I think that was the reason why Karen Chance won the belts here. So they could then drop them to Asuka and Sane, which we know is coming at some point quite soon. And I think that's the best thing that could happen to the tag team belts, that they're on a credible team, you know, that are in the plans and that are viewed as stars. So I think it's all part of a, you know, larger plan for the belts. And, um, you know, frankly, Kenny, they should have done this earlier and I have no idea why Piper Niven and Chelsea Green held the belts for as long as they did. They should have been on. They should have been on Alba Fire and Isle of Dawn. Where have they gone to? They've disappeared again. Well, they they may be getting a
1: return that are new champions. So maybe this will be the same. they're coming back.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do hope so because I think they're a quality team. They've never really been given a chance ever since they lost to um, it was Shana and Ronda, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, Shana
2: and Ronda. We've not seen them since. Yeah, I mean, they've done a few things. They've made a few appearances, but I'm not, I'm not sure if they wrestled on TV. They may well have wrestled on TV once or twice, but they've been used, you know, very sparingly since. And I think they've got so much more to offer than we've seen from them. They're a ready-made team. They've got an act. You know, it's like, why are these two not tag champs? So, yeah, I hope this is like a turning point for the women's tag team division um, and that we start to see some quality matchups uh, and these belts are, you know, are revived. I mean, they've been struggling all year, let's be honest. I mean, Raquel and Liv weren't much of a team, were they as tag champs? No. The div- I mean, there's not, there shouldn't really be a women's tag
1: division. There's not enough people, uh, there's not, There's there's not the interest for it. I don't think, really, from the audience. But
2: it's here. There could be. There absolutely could be. And it's you know this is up to WWE to get this thing over again. Is to rebuild it, rebuild its credibility. And I think you know Karen Chance's victory was the first step in that. And they can rebuild this for sure. But you know they just need to put some work in and get the belts on a quality team and start having matches that matter. It's that simple, really.
1: And the last thing I wanted to bring up was Gunther and Miz had an over 20-minute match for the IC title, and I didn't quite think Miz had this kind of match in him, but he did, he did. and um, yeah, I think I think this was better than their previous match. Yes. Um, I mean, you know, Gunther's got to be in the conversation now as just being one of the best in the ring they've ever had, because look, look what he's doing with a guy like the Miz, who before... Gunther, it was just a bit of a
2: joke. Absolutely. I mean, to me, you know, Gunther's one of the best in the biz. He's, you know, top one or two, if not number one in the biz right now. I can't wait for Gunther versus Lesnar. I think that's going to be blockbuster. You know, I don't suppose that is going to headline a WrestleMania, but it could headline a WrestleMania. It's to me, it's big enough to headline WrestleMania. Um, and this was just a masterful showing from Gunther. And let's give the Miz a lot of credit as well for his performance. Which I think was, you know, he took a, a real beat in here. Miz is not renowned for that. And in fact, as he was taking a beat in this match, I was just reminded of the famous um, Daniel Bryan, as he was called then. Daniel Bryan and Miz, you know, confrontation on talking smack, wasn't it, Kenny? When Bryan was still retired.
1: yes. Yes, and he's
2: like, "You, what was that line? You wrestle like somebody who's afraid to get hit." Something like that, wasn't it, that Brian that was, said? Yeah, to that me? was the
1: line. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, something like that. And um, and but you know, I've got to say, I bet Brian was watching this, or Brian Danielson was watching this and thinking, "Wow, you know, Miz took a beating in this match," and I bet Danielson was thinking, "Wow, you know, when my contract ends, I'm going back there, WWE, for a match with that guy," and I bet Danielson. will then obviously revert to Daniel Bryan. I bet that's what happens. I bet Daniel Bryan returns to WWE either late next year or early in 2025, specifically for a match with this guy, Gunter, who had a hell of, I mean, this was one of his best, in some ways, one of his best matches ever because of who he was against. And we believed it. You know, when Miz hit that skull crushing finale, people were willing to believe that Miz might, actually beat Gunter. Yeah. And then uh, they did the score finale off the middle rope and they didn't prostitute the move. You know, they didn't have Gunter kicking out of it. That was a really good, you know, piece of booking, really sensible match layout there. Yes, Don't clever. have people, you know, kicking out of moves unnecessarily and ruining the, you know, the potency of a finisher. So, you know, Miz hit the uh, skull cushion finale off the middle rope and Gunter rolled to ringside. No kick out. Um, And then Gunter regrouped and won after. I think it was two power bombs and an almighty clothesline. So, yeah, it was terrific. It was, you know, the match of the night. And um, afterwards, Gunter was backstage and uh, he said to uh, Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci, you know, why are you celebrating? You know, you two have done nothing this year. 2023 for you two has been a total write-off. I'm leaving now and you better hold the fort in my absence and step up and show me something. So and then um and then Ludwig Kaiser lost to Jay, didn't he? So I that probably won't have pleased uh, Gunter, but it did occur to me that maybe we're gonna get Gunter versus Jay when Gunter returns, possibly. Yeah,
1: which would be uh a you know a great rumble match potentially if that's what they, yeah. they go for. Uh well listen, that's all the time we've got for today. Um uh, we will be back on Thursday with Power Slam. We'll talk about some other bits and pieces and stuff that's going on. Um but yeah, we do go and head over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes because we're reviewing old issues of Power Slam right now, including, you know, we're, we're doing issue five at the moment, which is a part of the first yearbook. So you can kind of use that as a companion to the yearbook, which obviously has had rave reviews from people who are just loving having that yearbook. So which is great. And then obviously the Armageddon 2003 review that we did, that's going to be going up tomorrow and there'll be content. We're going to pre-record stuff. So there will be content going out pretty much every day over Christmas and New Year's. If you get bored with the family that you have to sit and pretend that you like for a couple of days, you can just <laughs> pop off into a corner listen to us.
2: Oh, you cynic, Kenny. You sound like me.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you so much for all your support, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.